0: and so so the transition to this business model where we're basically just enhancing what we did before we we connected people online but we weren't really getting to the point that is is really the pain right the pain is guaranteed that the product that you're getting to the consumers between them is reliable
1: Hello and welcome to the Sea of Startups, where we dive into the stories behind the startups in Southeast Asia. I'm your host, Kevin Brocklin, managing partner of Indelible Ventures. Now, if you're a founder or funder looking to learn more about what drives the startups in Southeast Asia, this podcast is for you. We're about to sit down with founders to uncover the unique insights into the origins and motivations behind launching their startups. We'll uncover the stories behind the struggles, the ups, the downs guided from the view of an entrepreneur. So without any further ado, let's jump into today's show. All right, today I have Gil Carmo, the founder of iMotorBike. For those of you who don't know, iMotorBike is the leading online platform to buy or sell pre-owned motorcycles, and they have operations in Vietnam and Malaysia. Thank you very much for being here, Gil.
0: Thank you for having me.
1: So I always have to start these conversations because I'm obsessed with the origin story. How did you decide to become an entrepreneur and what led you down the path to iMotorBike?
0: Great question. Thank you. I think the decision of becoming an entrepreneur came very early in my life. I think I was probably 11, 12 years old. And uh, for me, it was just really incredible to see the power of creation um i probably didn't know the word entrepreneur by then uh but but i just really like the fact that out of nothing out of nowhere you can start by your own ideation create something that adds value and you monetize it and and you know that just s- stuck with me for, for the longest time um i think i'm came posts a lot of a lot of experimental, a lot of a, a lot of uh, things that I, I've tried to do and learn from uh, throughout my journey. And at the moment that I understood kind of that there's no right time, right? I, it took me a while to get that lesson. Um, and then um, it, it come with the fact that was was the understanding of arriving to Asia, seeing the humongous market of motorcycles that existed, especially because I landed first in Asia in Vietnam or Chi Minh City, and, and just by you know landing in Ho Chi Minh I was absolutely uh shocked uh w- w- with the amount of of, of bike circulating on the the streets and and you know going down to the path of trying to get a bike myself and learning that there there was no digitalization whatsoever in motorcycles um, and then learning the rest of Southeast Asia was similar to it and I, you know, I started to scratch my head. I started going around it, and obviously, being a petrol head and super passionate about the digital world, um, I thought uh, it, it would be just brilliant if I could merge both passions. Um, it took me a while to do that step. Like I mentioned, it took me a while to to understand there's no right time, um, and, and and that was it basically.
1: Yeah, I I think if you waited around for the right time, you'll continue just waiting and waiting. Uh, because it never actually feels like the exact right moment. So you can get stuck in that analysis paralysis, yeah. True. It's pretty much the same as having kids, right? <laughs> it is, it is. And the and the company is kind of you like your baby. Uh you want to see it grow up and and be strong, yeah. Indeed. Um, cool. So, so, so you you land in Ho Chi Minh City. You're inundated with all the motorbikes around there. And so, how how did you take your first steps? What 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 did the what did the first steps towards towards launching look like?
0: Um, you know, it's it, it started really when when I when I started seeing the volume of bikes, and I did the research of how many bikes were registered throughout Southeast Asia, and and. What was the trend how was it growing you know I I took my time I, I, I really uh, researched it quite a bit and then I recall I had a very close friend of mine who was heading uh, a very large pharma uh, finance uh, multi-country in Asia um, and, and I went to meet him because I was definitely not a finance person I said like how, how do I build this like how, how do I look at numbers in a way that this makes sense and and he, he actually sat with me. We went through all, all modeling pos- possible. Um, something that I had done in the university, but, you know, now I wanted to apply to, to the real world. Um, and, and that was fun. So the exercise obviously was always pulling out numbers that were extremely bright, uh, and, uh, overly bright. And, and, but, but uh, you know, ended up taking the path of building a classifier platform, uh, internet, kind of 1.0, it, it, nothing existed. So I thought the best path to enter a digitalization of motorcycles would be to, to make the first steps of internet to it. Um, and, and that that's basically how how it all started, I would say.
1: Okay, okay, okay. And so are you, are you a technical founder yourself? Or did you? Were you able to kind of set up the web page do do the initial programming? Or did you have to bring people on board for that? Okay, so
0: I, you know, I I'm definitely not a developer, and I, that I did I study uh, um, for that. I, I did some scripts uh, and built for MYRC MIRC back in the days, and, um, and and I had a lot of fun building websites in Dreamweaver and and alike. <laughs> um, and and my my father actually was a, an IT teacher in the, back mm. in the day. So um, so that the. That brought me very close to, to, to that uh, world, but but I, I don't code myself. But but I did the initial website, which was a blog, mm-hmm. um, and and uh, I, I built it in weeks, and then ended up moving into WordPress. And, okay, uh, building all of that at scratch, but then the full platform, obviously, I had uh, the help of a real developer.
1: Okay. Okay, so what? what t- tell me about this initial blog. So that that's that's what you initially came out to market with, and the blog was what sort of content? It was like a listings page. You were talking about like motorbike enthusiasts, or what was that? So the funny part is, I was neither a
0: developer uh, or a writer, and and, uh, <laughs> and and I started writing articles. <laughs> so, so I started writing several articles daily. Uh, about motorcycles which was great for me to research so much about oh, sure. motorcycles um, and in you know getting all set up actually in the day um, in the first day with I decided and, and I was sitting in a coffee and I you know drawing PowerPoint the logo that is still like today and um, and all those things right it, it it was great because I got to start interviewing people and one person that I interviewed and that same day is still today with us, which is actually Michelle, the writer of our uh, news portal, mm-hmm. one of the writers. Um, and and she, she basically joined me in a promise that one day I'll pay her a salary. <laughs> 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 and that someday, took-
1: someday this is going to take off and you'll be paid.
0: That that was fun because it took about four or five months for me to start feeling quite bad. And I started paying herself for my own pocket. Not okay. that I had funding, funding, but I had to because... She was yeah. just great helping it. Um, and, and you know, the news were out there. And all of a sudden, Facebook, I recall, we had this massive amount of traction followership. Um, you know, we got a post with 10,000 likes at certain mm-hmm. stage. And um, it, was it was very minimal. We had our logo. We had kind of a mascot bike at that time that we okay. had, a custom built on the cup, the biggest, most sold bike, in, in the world so I, I thought was a good mascot um we dropped it at a certain point um and then we had this blog where we post news daily about bikes and, and that was it okay
1: and the the audience primarily where you were at in Ho Chi Minh or where oh so
0: we started the company in Malaysia so Ah,
1: okay okay so also, you're in you're in Malaysia at this yeah point already in launch okay okay yeah. so then I guess is the, is the audience primarily Malaysia was yes
0: was was primarily Malaysia and then we obviously had drag followership from Thailand Vietnam
1: Indonesia sure sure. so on yeah I mean once once you're online you can you can start you can start grabbing audiences from from different places especially when you start leveraging social media etc Um, and so when, when was, when was the transition? Because in the, in the early days you were heavily focused on the classified side, but so when you're talking about building out kind of news content and, and writing articles and that kind of stuff, at what point do you transition to becoming like a listings page? Uh,
0: Yeah. So that was the initial idea, um, since, since beginning, right. But we had to start with the ransomware, putting our name somewhere out there and, and, you know, selling the vision. To as in uh, and the listing came at the same time, but I, I needed someone to help me to code exactly because I I couldn't draw sure. you know a line uh, that that would add to the second line and then <laughs> um, so it, it was at the simultaneous time that I was trying to get someone t- to join us to to start the coding of that listing platform which happened a month later and then that person joined and then we had another person that joined us and we start putting it all together. Um, and um and, and we got to have a listing platform I think about four months in, three, four months in um, and and we start having then onboarding of all dealers to the platform and then consumers and whatnot. yeah. okay and that, that, that was quite an interesting uh, period as well.
1: <laughs> okay, so so you, you see you see, you start ramping up. I, I am curious though, like when you when you when you when you want to set off and start getting listings there's a, there's an awareness aspect of trying to get people to know that they should be list, listing on your website and then you have like the chicken and egg why am I going to list if there's not viewers so you, you need to kind of build some of that those those two sides of it yeah. um I guess on the on the supply side how do you actually how did you actually go out and tell people hey like you have got you've got a used motorbike let's 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 put it up on i motorbike and and get it sold
0: yeah look it's a phenomenal effort the uh, supply demand of a classified page is it's it's an incredible uh, exercise uh, and obviously supply is king right we uh, mm. will follow it's always kind of the rule of thumb so what we thought is let's go wholesale because wholesale is where the volume is right and then once the volume is triples down on SEO because keyword spread, right. uh, if, if our architecture is properly built, it will just you know stick out, and then demand naturally will be there, which which panned out to be true. So uh, we got to a point where we were absorbing hundreds of dollars monthly. Mm-hmm. uh to our platform and then just fully supporting them on, on getting all their products live obviously because we were second nature interest for them at that point in time in terms yeah. of business channeling like you just said mm-hmm. um and and <clears throat> until the point that we start to become relevant and they would start visiting us to the day-to-day basis because they would be getting all the leads and whatnot and mm-hmm. then the SEO was definitely working really well at some point we were case study uh of seo we had a very bright guy that worked with uh, me and lazada before helping us with all the infrastructure and, and build up of, of of the seo um and 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 um and that was exciting yeah it, it grew quite a lot of uh, customer and, and dealer love to be honest
1: okay okay and the the was was the revenue model kind of like a listing fee or how did you end up working that out in the in those early days when you're dealing with the wholesalers
0: so, so that, that's when it becomes really delicate, the <laughs> classifieds. <laughs> yeah. There's two ways to be successful with classifieds. One is the very long, um, organic, years and years and years, years in, up to the point that you'll get there. This was true before Facebook became a marketplace. Hmm. Um, and, and And the other one is investing millions of dollars in marketing, take the country as a whole, in a day, and then, you know, guarantee that uh, you stay there, right? Yeah. Um, and doing the right thing. Um, so we, you know, Facebook obviously evolved very aggressively as as a free listing platform for everyone hmm. with the largest user base globally, right? In any market as well. Um, Making it extremely hard for this classified model to be uh, a success story to anyone. And we've seen over and over all these millions of classified companies, um, getting to you know, uh, foot down and understand there's no point. Uh, we need to flip to transactional, and actually that's what we did, right? Uh, right. We, we hit the head really hard on making sure we tried every single thing that we could to make it work. But inevitably we learned the lesson, and we moved to something that is actually feasible and workable. Uh, because um, you know, when you cannot compete with with all the companies that are doing it for free and providing a lot of leads, why would anyone pay you, right? So we were getting a lot of money from media sales, Mm -hmm. uh, but we didn't want a media company, right? We wanted a scalable portal that is transactional somehow. Um, So in in July 21 is when we made it the pivot to um, shutting down completely. Anything to do with classifieds, thank God. Um, and, And guarantee that we open up to a whole new business, which is Supporting the buyers and sellers of motorbike, uh, and, and, and doing the trade of the pre-owned motorcycles, right? So by basically, um, um, getting people that are selling their motorcycles, uh, to get their bikes to us, to our inspection centers, getting the bikes, uh, fully inspected, 170 points, um, done in each bike with a report, uh, and um, and then uh, getting their their money wired directly to them uh, post the, the the bike is is sold. Uh, this process takes about twenty to thirty minutes at maximum. Um, and then we do kind of a mini in-house refurbishment to the motorcycles, where we take care of the safety features, right, um, the tires, the brakes, the oils, and whatnot. And then we we upload the bikes, we put them live, and and offer. Uh, The buyers out there to purchase the bike from us, right, where we offer insurance, where we offer access to financing, Uh, we do the road tax, all the paperwork for them, and uh, we can even ship the bikes to their house, Uh, providing a six days return policy and a six months warranty on every bike we uh,
1: sell. Okay, so made, made made a made a big switch in the in the in the business model. I, I, I am curious because I know I know there's a lot of founders in, out there that kind of run into that wall, where it's really hard to make that decision to pivot. So I, I I am curious with that when you were going through it and you started seeing that the the classifieds model where it's the listings and the media and that that sort of angle. Did you stick your toe in the water, test out the transactional side? Was it a rip the Band-Aid and let's, let's tomorrow we're a new company? What, what was kind of that transitional period like? And what's, what's some of the logic that when you're talking to your stakeholders, your team, all of that, what are, what are some of the conversations on, are we doing the right thing?
0: Hmm. Look, well, what I could tell you is was extremely natural because I as I mentioned I've been a petrol head all my life and, mm. and something that I've always done is trading vehicles really really uh um um on, on, on a very frequent basis a little bit of that way so mm. I was 23 years old before I moved to Asia and whatnot and I had traded likely more than eight 10 cars right um and I had had also motor motorcycles and and that's not because my parents were very rich. Was was just because I, I, I you know, I just enjoyed the process of trading. And, um, you know, a bit of disclosure on when I was 12, we were talking about the entrepreneurship or not. I actually got the passion for Internet because I was trading mobile phones online uh, in the time of the Nokia's, right? The 9210s and the the, the, the communicators and, and whatnot. Um, um, and uh, I just had that real passion of trade, right? And and the power of the internet to it, which is I don't know you from anywhere, and all of a sudden I'm selling something to you half an hour later, right? Um, and so so the transition to this business model where we're basically just enhancing what we did before we we connected people online, but we weren't really getting to the point that is is really the pain, right? The pain is guaranteeing that the product that you're getting to the consumers between them is reliable and and trustworthy, right? And and, in the secondhand space, right? And um, and and giving that peace of mind and trust. um, So we just kind of enhance from, okay, I connect the buyer and seller to, okay, I connect the buyer and seller, but I guarantee you that this product has accountability, right, for what it is based on our inspection to it. And based on we're here if you have problems afterward uh, to the buyer side, right? um so it was very natural and at the time that happened was fun because that year alone i traded quite a bit of cars and bike myself mm-hmm. um so i was up to the speed with it um it was just you know acknowledging that we have a, an incredible incredible team it's been many of them have been with us for for the longest time uh super bright uh backgrounds as well and um and then we have an incredible set of invest as well so and the market of motorbikes is humongous regardless of the model that we're applying. We just need to make it really work. And, and when when something, um, you know, it's about serving the others and adding value even actually, like I just said, mm-hmm. we enhanced it, what, what we are doing. You know, the results show up and, and that's what happened. And it was just very smooth transition, to be honest. I think what held us back was, um, during the longest time for us to make this transition was the fact that we firmly believe. First, I, I love the the idea of the you know ninety nine percent profit margin on a click, right? That's classified, <laughs> um it, 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 which you know is almost un, invincible, right? Yeah. Whereas where the trading business is a lot more operational complexity to it. um And then I thought it was a bit of a more sophisticated model, which obviously it's old internet. It, it is not. Um, and then, you know, as we moved to this model, it, it was just proven that we were serving a lot better the community. We, we were adding a lot more value to the bike space vertical right, and users of it. So it it was heart and, and soul filling, and obviously business wise, very interesting.
1: Okay. Okay, but I, I I do have to imagine that when you move more towards the transactional side, there's a lot more hands-on involvement in every single uh, transaction that's taking place. So, from a headcount standpoint, is it safe to say that you had to go on a hiring spree in order to manage the 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 new requirements of the business?
0: Um you know i i can tell you that after a few a few years on in in the startup world with with this uh set of team that we have today um, it always goes back to them right it's it, it's just you know there's a lot of resourcefulness <laughs> some people can do a lot with nothing um and i and i think that you know heads to the team heads off because um when we started and, and there's a lot of interesting stories there there was there was still a lot of lockdowns Vietnam mm. was locked down for the next five months you couldn't go
1: oh, yeah. on the road yeah, um, yeah quite quite strict there
0: and and Malaysia was still on off kind of lockdowns mm. and you couldn't really go full on the road unless so when we started we had a letter that we would give to our customers to come to visit our team's condos where we parked motorcycles that we bought and so we were inspecting on the spot um, in, in, in the condos itself, like not in the office, not inspection centers, mm-hmm. not a, nothing. Um, and, and that you know uh, that was that was quite interesting to 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 be honest. Uh, there was a lot of customers that were afraid of going on the road at that time, uh, afraid of getting caught. Uh, and we had that letter because we were a tech company, right? So uh, we were able to to utilize it. That, that was fun.
1: Okay. Okay. How do you guys manage the, the inspection? Because uh, you you start getting into a team aspect, are you outsourcing it? Do you have your own inspectors? If you have your own inspectors, or even if you don't, how do you maintain like the SOPs of ensuring the quality of inspection? And because you're, you're ultimately going to take an inventory risk on those transactions as well. So that seems like a pretty critical component. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So at the beginning, what was really, um, basically everybody, uh, uh, that, that carries more knowledge on the motorcycles uh, during the inspections. And, and that was wherever in the team had knowledge in bikes, right? Yeah. Um, and then obviously that was the very beginning of it when we pivot and we were still doing in our own condos, the business, right? Um, but, but we evolved to have professional mechanics that actually <laughs> know their stuff, have been doing <laughs> it for the longest time and uh, have years of, of fixing bikes and whatnot and, and detecting uh, all the problems. and in in, mm. the, in in the testing and visual model so right now we are fully equipped with with our own mechanics yes
1: okay and when you when you talk about uh, doing the inspections and all of that it's it's site specific yeah somebody has to come to where you're at in order to get it inspected so you have a little you you don't have the logistics headaches um but when you if, if if that is the case how do you choose the locations do you do you have some sort of analysis to get proper level of density or yeah. high traffic areas what's what's yeah. some of the logic on that that component
0: yeah so now we we are expanding our our inspections as multi-location and and basically we're going to be a lot more closer to our consumers and that comes on database right so we we have quite a bit of transactions already done throughout this past uh Time since we pivoted, and and um, we obviously um, understand where the customers are based and and where the leads come from beyond mm-hmm. customers, right? All the leads are traceable somehow, and, yeah. and get us to a data jail location point where we we can tag to a volume percentual of the total volume of leads that tells us this would be the best location.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay. okay so so tell, tell me a little bit on the walk me through a little bit on like the typical flow so i'm 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 an i'm a motorbike owner i end up wanting to sell so i pop into one of your locations you guys inspect it everything looks good what what can i expect as somebody that's ready to sell my bike so
0: it's you know it's it's super simple for malaysia you would literally get your inspection done whilst you're sitting having a, a a talk with a, a, um, a buyer of ours right uh whilst our mechanic is actually doing um the the inspection process that the inspection process at, at maximum 20 to 25 minutes uh there's a um and result that tells us everything that the bike has and and all the details that we are looking at to help us price the bike as well um that's when we give you a, a full price on a contract that uh, is basically a selling agreement from, from you as a seller to us. Um, and then if you're agreeable to it, you sign, we'll wire the money to you within five to 10 minutes. Um, there's sometimes it drags a bit more depending on the finance team, how, how it is. But usually within an hour, you will have the money in your bank account. Um, and then off you go. Uh, and that's pretty much it. Okay. Very simple process.
1: Is is there, is there any and I'm, I'm going to play devil's advocate here just be, just for the sake of it? Um, how, how do you how do you guys ensure the validity of the ownership on behalf of the person that rode the bike in in the first place? Is do you guys have some sort of linkages to the government database to kind of validate the title? Yeah, correct. So, actually,
0: apologies, I, I missed that bit out, which is a crucial bit. So, mm-hmm. you sign the contract, and before you get the money wired to your bank account, there's actually a, a small mach- machine that it's uh, it's from. There are a few providers where you put your IC, uh, you thumbprint, and 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 basically the ownership of the motorbike is is is, is it's, has been changed from you to the company, um, and it obviously. This process only happens if you have your IC with you. It tallies with the documents of the motorcycle. So actually, it's a very, very controlled uh, system, you know, brilliantly made uh, by the by the government and systems in Malaysia, to be honest, where okay. you don't see, uh, you know, similar in some, some other surrounding countries, I me say.
1: Yeah, so it's a, it's, a, it's a relatively smooth process in order to make that happen, yeah? Yeah, super smooth, actually. Okay. So the, the, the actual also, payout can be can be can be quite quick because you can val- you can validate all of that. You've done the inspection on site. Boom, money, money, money leaves the bank, right? Yes. From your standpoint, once you once you've bought it, you now own that bike. What do you do with it? So we we get this motorcycle basically to uh we already
0: know the condition of the sure, motor. Sure. And we know what needs to be done. So we get it literally flipped on the fly right yeah if, if the visual condition of the bike is is great which 99 of the time is uh we just put the content live immediately uh-huh. so that we win inventory day's time right yeah um and and you know we put the bike to the workshop and the queue list comes in usually mechanic flips a motorbike fairly simple and, and mm-hmm. fast if parts available uh parts is always the key detrimental yeah. factor of speed on the workshop yeah um and then um and then from there point on uh, is basically ready to test right right so there's the uh workshop Q a for test ride passed down to showroom people can visit and test the bikes
1: okay okay and where where do you where do you showroom the bikes uh, do you have uh physical locations do you utilize somebody else's we 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 have physical locations uh at the early stage was a lot different uh yeah. it's not the, your
0: condo yeah <laughs> um yeah we we've done, we've done <laughs> in quite the a early of, days we've done quite a bit of transitions we've done the condo Yeah yeah we yeah, yeah. and then we've done uh, um the yeah other uh, locations that were, <laughs> <it> was quite <laughs> and then and then we moved on to have our own uh, yeah. facility and showroom uh and now you know aiming to have a more centralized one where we can offer a, a much better experience to our consumers uh wow. both Malaysia and Vietnam yeah
1: Okay. Okay. Very, very cool. Very cool. Um, so, uh, when, when, when you, when you're on site and you're inspecting, does it, does the person have some sort of like tablet or something to where they're entering in the information digitally? So it's kind of triggering the system right, okay. th- right then and there kind of the, the, the review standardized system, check mark box, ABC, something along those sort of lines straight into the system, or how is it? In terms of inspection? Yeah, yeah. Or just getting it into your guys' system from the day that, from from that very starting point.
0: Yeah. So so we basically look at at bikes themselves in terms of full data approaches, like from a bike in to a bike out and Mm -hmm. what that entails, which is the person that is selling the bike to us and then the one that is buying from us. And then the whole entire process of the bike. together with us right so uh, what, what it went through and, and how we took care now in terms of inspection or whatnot we, we still have our mechanics with a paper and that yeah. that then goes to a digitalization system and then moves on but obviously you know um as we move on to a new phase of the company now uh about to close our series a and we're not we're, we're obviously looking at super enhancing our technology as well yeah uh but um but there's still a lot of manual work that we we are uh to streamline to to a, to a, a more efficient and, and scalable way.
1: Okay. Okay. And do you guys do you guys have or are you planning to build workflow tools to kind of connect those kind of connect those dots to where, you know, you digitize the paperwork on the repairs, it says we need this part, it triggers something in your guys' yeah. system to tell hey, uh procurement department go Order. Go, go find this part. Yep.
0: Yeah. Yeah, naturally, uh, the way to go is, is getting the automation of all, um, and uh, you know, uh, understanding as soon as the report is done and and is a confirmed bike in that mm. triggers the order of parts, or and then obviously the 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 forecast based on brand model and stock availability due to workload and all, all of this obviously will will come to play. It's something that I obviously okay. is not yet uh, okay. at the most uh, pinnacle of technology. Uh, system yet but yeah. we are actively looking forward for that day
1: it's it's the resourcefulness as as you were saying I mean it's 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 still a start it's still a startup it's still it's still got some got some room to grow in order to acquire all of those extra efficiencies mm-hmm. so from, from the from the standpoint of the buyer then uh I I'm interested in getting a bike I can go on your website I can come by the showroom uh let's let's assume, let's assume I saw something I that I like now how is is the is the process to purchase just as as quick as the process to sell well it, it really
0: down to your decision making right mm. you can be the kind of person that takes a while to decide and you might have lost the bike chance <laughs> um <laughs> but uh but uh it, it can take you down to 10 15 minutes right because for yeah. us it's, as soon as you see the bike and you say I'll take it uh yeah. it's a thumbprint. print. 2 minutes and uh, money wire to us right uh, but then it goes down to do you need a loan to get approved mm. you okay. like, right all this process because insurance process very easy road tax process all, all this we do for you in a in sure. a flight right um so so it is you know is the process of the buyer itself how they want to take the decision of moving ahead right
1: yeah yeah okay and so, so you you mentioned a couple of things that I want to ask about there, which is kind of the the additional uh, services on top of it. So, if 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 I need a loan, uh, you guys have banking partners. Do you do it, do you do it yourself? How are you guys able to help facilitate that component then and there?
0: Yeah. So, so basically, we we right now have partners that provide help us provide insurance to. Mm-hmm. Our, our consumers, uh, obviously, uh, finance, facilities, multi-partners that we have, multi-country. Uh, you know, sometimes one 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 partner wouldn't accept your uh, submission, but other mm-hmm. would be happy to take it. Um, some are faster than others, which is something a little bit out of our control still. Yeah. Uh, on the later stage, we hope to be able to uh, provide an extended arm of our support uh, mm-hmm. in, in terms of doing things more in-house. Um, but obviously, you know, one thing that we're starting to put quite a bit of effort in, we, we did some A/B testing is the after sale, right? So guarantee mm-hmm. that if you have any problem with your motorcycle, we actually do the maintenance for you. Okay. Uh, we have, tested it and that, you know, is an extremely bright, uh, experience for the consumer and we, we like it as a business. Uh, and, and we, we see that there's a lot of future for us to grow that angle as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, it, it just builds a 360 experience on on uh on the umbrella of yeah. our brand, uh to the consumer we we are very peculiar and very obsessed about the experience we provide to the consumer so having it all um under under you know kind of our vertical angle brand control is something that we are definitely aiming for as okay. we are capable of okay per market and and as a company yeah
1: Okay. Uh, what's what's the average life cycle of somebody's ownership of a pre-owned motorcycle? So if if we, if we if we looked at somebody that comes on to iMotorbike, they buy a motorcycle, what on average is the expectation of when they would be ready to come back, sell their bike and and try and get another one?
0: Yeah, so what from, from all data we collected and, and
1: external and internal
0: details that we can access to, we, what we see the, the turnaround is about three to four years at max, um of of any lifetime of, of a bike with, with a user, right? From the new to first trade, second trade, third trade, right? Um and and and, and that's about it. And so what what is fascinating about motorcycles compared to the business of cars is that uh, motorcycles tendentially uh, do a lot less kil- kilometers. Uh, you, you know, uh, there are mm-hmm. cars that are able to do 500,000 kilometers, sure. 500, sure. uh, whereas motorbikes, you would do a 200,000 at max, mm-hmm. potentially. Uh, you know, I'm sure there are people that will argue with me that, but, you know, as an average, would be below 200,000 kilometers, which is a two flips of the photometer, yeah. um, or one flip. Um, and 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 um and, and then basically maintenance is a lot more regular, right? So you'd need to change oil anywhere between three to six months every time, tires every year. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and there's a lot more regularity on, okay. on getting your bike checked and maintained. Um so so that's also a very interesting angle of of bikes.
1: Yeah. And so you you got you you mentioned the after sale uh kind of service as well. Is that where you see the kind of the extra hook? To maintain people in the ecosystem is that there's a big revenue opportunity. If you've if you've sold them, you can keep them in the ecosystem by offering those additional services.
0: Yeah, look, uh, you know, beyond keeping them in the ecosystem, I believe we we want the kind of a standardization of, of the same purpose driven mentality of our business on, on mm-hmm. the maintenance side, right? Which is guarantee and ensuring that whenever you go to maintain your motorcycle, you know what to count with. Uh, in terms of pricing, in terms of uh, uh, post-maintenance warranty, right, of whatever was fixed, uh, guaranteeing that, um, you know, uh, you're, you're in a place potentially there con while your bike is being serviced. Mm. Um, and you, we have some certain standards. So you recognize that wherever you go that iMotorBike logo is there for the after sales, you recognize a certain standard of quality uh, on, on a co- customer experience kind of perspective, Right. And, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I go to change my brake pads. I know how much that costs and and, how long it takes. And I'm going to change my all also the same and and so forth. Right.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I imagine there's a, there's a, there's a pretty decent segment of motorcycle owners that are a little bit more hands-on with some of the maintenance repairs, because like things like brake pads, oil changes, they're relatively simple, straightforward things. I mean, there's some things that are significantly less straightforward, I guess the more more advanced your bike is also kind of tra- dictates how how easy some of those things are um okay very cool let, let, let me let me ask you so you're you're in Vietnam and Malaysia I I have to imagine just from like anecdotal experience there's a lot more motorbikes on the street in Vietnam is that the dominant share of of activity since it has such high volume of motorbikes yeah.
0: Look, um, definitely uh, the seven hundred, uh, the the seventy million registered motorbikes in Vietnam um, are far greater than the sixteen million registered motorbikes in Malaysia. Uh, for us as a business, as COVID was quite heavy in the beginning of our pivot mm-hmm. uh, uh, in Vietnam, we ended up having a lot more, um, you know, focus in 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 Malaysia and to get, getting the results from there. Um, but uh, naturally, is a much larger market, it's same as you know, Indonesia with 120 million registered yeah. motorbikes.
1: Yeah, yeah, 120 million actually so- sounds like a low number considering the population is so 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 big. Um, it's true. Yeah, yeah. And so, so let me let me ask you then, when, since we're talking about the 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 amount in different different countries, and you know, you're you're st- you're still moving forward, you're still growing, you're still improving your efficiencies, all of these different things. What, what what does the future look like for iMotorBike? And I guess to attach a fairly open-ended question to that, how do you define success when you're looking at what the future holds for you?
0: Yeah, look, I I, I believe the definition of success for me uh, is, is really tied to um, the everyday customer reviews that we get. And mm. I... Extremely uh, focused in that, I, I can tell you that uh, any anything below uh, a five star, I, I'm digging deeper to understand what happened um, and, and ensuring that we can support and, and brighten the 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 experience of the consumer somehow. Um, because I, I believe the success comes to down to having first an incredibly uh, motivated team. Uh, then down to that relating to the consumer experience though those you know um, reviews that we get and then obviously guarantee that all shareholders are extremely happy with the business i think that's what tells success regardless of the size that you are at mm-hmm. right um and then you know you scale it as in in team and all of that comes together as capable of um now in terms of uh, future and uh, sorry to have reversed your, your question. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, in term, in terms of future, you know, vision for us, I, I believe we, we can clearly become the dominant player. So far we have no competition in terms of motorbikes and in the business model that we're doing in Southeast Asia. But, um, well, there's obviously a lot of retailers on the bike space and whatnot, but not, not exactly doing what we do. And yeah. I, I envision that we, we are, um, capable of getting, you know, to an extremely sizable business and, and, and throughout multi-markets in Southeast Asia, uh, serving at best uh, the experience and, you know, really making a bright experience to every consumer on something that has been a, a very important purchase for many households and, and providing uh, quite quite difficult times as well when they buy the wrong thing the, the wrong way and, and takes up so much money from their household capability. Um, because on average, about seven salaries of, of, uh, uh, of uh, average person in Southeast Asia is what it costs for, for the purchase of a motorcycle, right? So um, that's, that's quite of an impactful map. Um, and we want to guarantee that brings uh, bright results uh, and, and, and good experiences. So that in scale, multi-market in, in a very large size, in a 360 vertical controlled experience, that's, I believe, is what we're looking at in the
1: next uh, three to five years. Yeah, very, very cool. I think it's a, it's an ambitious plan, but very, very likely that you guys will end up getting there. It's, it seems that you've come a long way since since the pivot uh, and the market is, is as you said, it's it's quite open uh, for you to attack it. Um, so so Gil, let me let me wrap, wrap up with my standard closing questions that I ask everyone. Uh, the first one is what? What is a tech tool in your life or business that you just cannot live without? Um, I would say
0: the most basic possible one, right, is is really um, my calendar because without it, I uh, I wouldn't be able to to cope with all the remembering of all the affairs that I need to do. So it's is an incredible help that I have.
1: Yeah, I think considering the amount of time demands on a founder without a proper calendar in place, it can quickly devolve into chaos. Um, last question here. Uh, if you were to talk to another startup founder that's just getting going, what would be the biggest piece of advice that you could offer?
0: Um. I would say it's, it's, you know, everything that I would say is cliche. There's so many people get, getting their opinions out about what the others should do. But um, I, I think the best advice I could give is be patient, right? Um, and, um, and understand that everything takes a lot more time, potentially, than what it seems to at the beginning. Um, yeah
1: yeah i th- I think that's that's quite wise i think everyone is in such a hurry to move fast and break things as the cliche saying goes um but there's 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 value there's value in in having patience allowing something to show whether or not it's showing growth or not uh, and then acting accordingly sometimes you have to take a business pivot as you guys have done uh, but patience in in that process, I think, is is probably what you're alluding to.
0: Yep. Yep.
1: Very cool. Guild, this has been a fantastic conversation. I learned a ton about uh, buying and selling of motorbikes and how you guys have evolved to where you are today. Uh, really, thank you for coming out and sharing with us. Thank you very much, Kevin. Appreciate your time. Okay. Thanks a lot. Bye. All right, that wraps it up for another fantastic episode of The Sea of Startups. If you've enjoyed this episode, please share it with a friend. Go on to iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts and leave us a review. It's the best way for us to get discovered and to have these startup stories reach a broader audience. If you have any suggestions or would like to get in touch, you can email me at kevin at indelible.vc. As always, I'm your host, Kevin Brocklin from Indelible Ventures, and this is the Sea of Startups.